Hello, beautiful listeners. Nathan here. Just wanted to let you guys know that you may have noticed at the beginning of this episode, we call the podcast the definitive list of everything ever. Also, the title has changed. That is because the quest for the best, uh, apparently everyone had the same idea we did, which means great minds think alike and also means we don't know how to use Google. So for the next handful of episodes, I may intro the show with Welcome to the Quest for the Best and then say something not funny, but the actual name of the show is definitely the definitive list of everything ever, colon, Disney edition, until we Google that and find someone else took that too. So enough of me talking, just wanted to let you know, enjoy the episode. Hello everyone, and welcome to this week, week, this week's episode of Quest for the Best, colon, Disney edition, colon, part one, season one. Colon, just just colon. I am your host Nathan, and uh, with me I have a Native American princess. It's James, also known as Pocahontas. Uh, spoilers. And oh, yeah. oh look over there! It's a majestic beast. It's it's a lion. No, it's a hyena. It's Derek. <laughs> mm. I'm not so ke- I'm not so sure. I'm keen on how these past two weeks I've been the giant monster. Uh, hyenas are not giant. They're small. I am a lion. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'd be lying if I said you weren't a hyena. Moving on. (laughs) Um, We're being real subtle about what films we watched this week uh, for the quest for the best, colon, Disney edition. I'm not saying the rest of it. Um, But before we get into discussing that nonsense, uh, we all took another terrible quiz off a website called Oh My Disney. So you know it's it's just the finest quality website. Thank you, James, for making this happen. You're so welcome. And we all tried to figure out which which uh, Lion King character we were. Who are you, Derek? I am Mufasa. I'm so wise, really, really wise. Your wisdom is so impactful that it's written across the stars. Never has there been a more accurate quiz result. Oh, mar- did a marketing team write that or a four-year-old? Can't tell. Four-year-old in marketing. <laughs> Coming to ABC this fall. <laughs> the Boss Baby 2. Yeah. All right, James. Hope you're not... We're not the same again this week. Wait, not to me and Derek. Who are you, James? I'm Nala, so if you're Nala, we're the same. I am bold and courageous, but I also have a gentle, sensitive side that I only show to those closest to you, so I will never show that to you guys. <laughs> you're ultra-protective of your friends, and that's why they love you. Yeah, guys, that's why you love me. They got all of that from the movie? Did we watch the same movie? Maybe it's in the Lion King one and a half. Lion King two. No one watches that. That's terrible. We're gonna watch it. Oh Lord. Okay, and I'm Simba, voiced by either Jonathan Taylor Thomas or Matthew Broderick. So just shoot me now. Um, I am always ready for an adventure, uh, <laughs> even if it means that you might occasionally land yourself in some hot water. Like my father dying. The good news is that you're always learning from your mistakes. But only if a monkey hits me. Uh, Whoever wrote this is freaking stupid. I'm just going to throw... Every week I complain about this. And every week we still take these dumb tests. (laughs) So does that mean that Derek's death is going to drive you away and I have to bring you back? Oh no. Uncomfortable in multiple ways. Especially depending on what your interpretation of that song is. Well, Uh, you have to die first. So we got a while. (laughs) Okay. And I have to remember who I am. 
because that's a theme of the movie. Yeah. So guess what movie we watched this week? A good Movies. movie. We watched, we watched a good movie and a terrible movie. Spoilers. We watched The Lion King. The Lion King came out in 1994. Fun fact. Out of all the Disney animated features on IMDb, this one has the highest user rating. So, you know, there's that. The Lion King is Hamlet with animals. Do you need anything else? Anything else for the synopsis? Jeremy Irons is in it. And uh, also, the music was written by... Elton John, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting. And it stars a bunch of Broadway singers as minor roles. And it's very evident because they're the best singers. Anyway, also Cheech is in this movie again after, you know, his classic character of Tito from Oliver and Company. He's back as a hyena. So, you know, his movie career is really taken off as Mexican animals <laughs> that aren't Mexican. Well, I guess. At least the Chihuahua was. Oh, it kind of is, I guess, because it's a, from Mexico. I don't know what's up with the hyena, but, you know, whatever. I guess when Disney needs, like, comedic and kind of dumb characters, they always... Okay, I'm not going to finish that, because I was going to say they always get a Mexican voiceover, but that oh, sounds... Oh, no. Cut. Cut. <laughs> I'm not implying anything. I'm saying what Disney does, all right? <laughs> anyway, so, Lion King. Uh, it's, it's I believe it's their best-selling movie ever until Frozen? Mm-hmm. Yep. Probably. Which sucks because it's a better movie than Frozen. <clears throat> anyway. We will get to that. <laughs> and we will. So, first impressions, brief ones, uh, rewatching this film based on the last time you watched it. I don't know who to pick, the Disney princess or the hyena. Uh, James, go. Thanks for Princesses go first. Um, I, I enjoyed this movie, but I was left colder than I thought I would be. So I thought that a lot of things were on point with this film and then there were some things that kind of just irked me until the end that's fair derek what did you think um i've watched i've watched this movie a lot in my life so it's kind of like there's there is no amount of time that will pass that will allow me to have a second first impression on it and so it's it's one of those ones that it's good it's definitely a favorite of mine no, no, no specifics. No, yeah, and I mean, honestly, nothing really stood out this time round, the way it did for like Aladdin last last week. It was more kind of a I watched it and I was like, yes, this continues to be a good movie. Okay, um, I also watched this movie a lot when I was a kid, but I haven't seen it in probably twenty years. Um, <laughs> no, maybe not that many. Maybe like fifteen years. Definitely, ever since I moved out of my parents' house, I haven't seen it. I liked it a lot. I, and I was a pretty big detractor because I kept saying, yeah, it's just Hamlet with animals and who cares? And I hate, I just can't wait to be king. Or at least I thought I really hated it. And this movie's <laughs> probably boring. And and how is it going to be like as good as Aladdin? Because it's not because Aladdin's awesome. And rewatching it, I was completely impressed by almost everything in the movie. I remembered more of this movie than I thought I would, which was really weird because it's been so long. But apparently mm-hmm. I like have most of this movie memorized, and I don't know why. <laughs> and I can always hum that freaking Hans Zimmer score when the stupid uh, Wildebeest stampede. That is like insanely memorable. But Are you going to sing it for us right now? It goes... And just does that ad nauseum. <laughs> and blows everyone's <laughs> headphones out. 
that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he's, then Zazu says, "There on that tree, hold on, Simba." That's part of it. I could probably do the whole movie now. I think about it, which is kind of sad. But Uh-oh. anyway, that would uh, that would actually be an amazing episode if we just reenacted the movie from memory. Yeah, but then I'd have to pretend I was either Jonathan Taylor Thomas or Matthew Broderick, and I would want to die. So hmm. I don't think I can do as good as Jeremy Irons, which is like the standout no. voice actor in this movie for no. me. There's only one person that can do Jeremy Irons in The Lion King besides Jeremy Irons. And who's that? His clone? No, it's um. Dang it! The guy that singing, repla- singing replacement. Yes, him. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those guys whose name I always forget. Yeah, and I well, remember I knew it last IMDb, week. So you don't look like a fool yeah. while we start discussing. That, um, that suggests that I plan these things ahead. Well, I do. Yeah. That's how I know all these great things about mm-hmm. movies that no one freaking cares about. Anyway, so The Lion King. It's a classic. It's a made Disney a lot of money. I think it was the first one they adapted into a Broadway show, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yes, because what, what Broadway Party? shoes are there? There's this one and there's um, Hunchback that I know of. Beauty and there's... the Beast, Tarzan, yeah. Mary Poppins. There's a ton. Yeah, I'm pretty oh. sure they did this one first. This is actually, I when I was younger, that was one of the, that's like the only Broadway show I've ever been to was Lion King. Oh, I heard it was really good. I haven't seen it. It really, it it was, I remember, I don't remember all that many specifics, but I do remember coming out of it thinking that was a lot better than I thought it would be, because I kind of, you know, as your typical teenager that went in going all, oh, it's a play, it's on stage, it's not as good as movies, and I came out going, holy crap, they actually had the characters walking through the aisles of the audience, such immersion. Also, they're not animals in the play adaptation i thought i thought they were all people like re- like I, obviously they're not like actual <laughs> animals but like they are not representing animals i thought i don't uh, actually know that i don't know anyway, I, their costumes I, their costumes at least suggested the animals that they were based yeah. off of all right the costumes well, suggest it for I'm, sure i'm freaking out i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> all right good things okay here's my good thing i'm I, I have a lot of good things about this movie but like i think the two biggest good things about this movie are this is my absolute favorite disney opening ever it yeah. is so well done um with no no words besides the singing mm-hmm. and like the visuals and the way Hans zimmer's score works with uh, the song and how it hard cuts to the title i i love the introduction to this movie and i think this might be my favorite first act out of the disney movies we've watched hmm it's the, know, like favorite, but it's so tight. Like yeah. it's just, it's just, it's really solid, and it it, it executes and it's paced almost perfectly. Those are two. I don't know. Do you guys disagree with any of that? Those are like my two yeah. initial things when I was watching the movie. It's like how engaged I was, which was really weird. Yeah. No. I no. I don't disagree. It's like that first act really is Hollywood formula storytelling at its you know at its per- most perfect. In its most perfect form. I think the music in this film is fantastic from start to finish. I mm. apparently some people don't, but I love every single song in this movie. I think every song is very engaging. Yeah, and I like them in like a non-ironic way because a lot of times when I like Disney songs, like Beauty and the Beast or Be Our Guest, it's like I like them, but out of context of the movie, I don't think I'd ever like listen to them because mm-hmm. it would be weird. Mm-hmm. But like. I could see anybody listening to, like, Akuna Matata. 
Like, yeah. Yeah. Or even Can You Feel the Love Tonight, even if it's kind of ridiculously sappy. And Be Prepared is just awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, real good music. The the animation, again, I know this is Derek's favorite, you know, era of animation, but mm-hmm. the animation is fantastic as well. It, yeah. It did a very good job getting the animals look correct, mm. in my opinion. And also, I love watching the yeah, and- making of one th- um, videos that they had where they bring actual lions <laughs> into the studio and draw them. I'm like, that would have been that must have been a good day. Yeah, color my lion. Don't mm. get eaten. Yeah, and we, I don't. This is this is me, and I'm trying not to be hypocritical. One of the problems I had with Beauty and the Beast was the, the 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 animated characters, the way they're colored versus the backdrops clash mm-hmm. because the animated characters are colored with computers, so it's like Microsoft Paint. E that's kind of rude, but they're you know they're very solid colors, and the backgrounds are usually very extravagant. Mm-hmm. And I felt Aladdin had a good mix where I couldn't really tell anymore. I could tell the bad CG, but I couldn't tell that. And this film, for some reason, them being animals worked. I, I, that's the only reason why I can think it worked so well is that it didn't bother me at all in this film like it did in Beauty and the Beast and a little bit in Aladdin. Mm-hmm. I, I think, think that, that dissonance. Yeah, I think it. Um, I think it has to do with the same reason why. CG animals look better than CG people, for example. Like, why? Yeah. I'm pretty sure we'd agree. Those that have seen the uh, <clears throat> the live action Jungle Book will agree that the animals in that movie looked better than Tarkin did in Rogue One. And I yeah, think Tarkin Tarkin mm-hmm. looked like an animatronic. <laughs> yeah, and I think part of it is because when you're dealing with non-human characters, the we don't have that uncanny valley anymore because it's like you know we're not seeing ourselves we're seeing something else and so it's like any differences between it and the real thing our brains can kind of just say okay whatever that's just you know they're different and this is different so who cares the cg is also quite a step up from aladdin in this movie because the will to be stampede is cg yeah right yeah it was it's quite good Weirdly yeah. enough, it's a step up from Pocahontas, which <laughs> came out afterwards. Yeah. Because the news well, is made at the same time. Yeah. This one just looks better. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I was I was watching. I mean, granted, I don't have the best eye for recognizing CG. Though with most movies, I'm like, that's a dragon. Probably CG. But in this movie, I was actually, <laughs> I remembered while watching the stampede that, wait, isn't this CG? And I t- watched it and I was like, I honestly can't tell. I really can't tell. Oh. It's like it's colored in the right way, and it's fast moving enough that if there was anything there that would give away that it is CG, I for one couldn't tell. Since we're still talking about visuals, I think they were really their creativity, especially in songs. I actually liked. Like that's what made me really like. I just can't wait to be king, even though I kind of don't really like the song. Was it's just this visual explosion of color and like weird postmodern looking art style like it's just it's bizarre in a really cool way that fits the theme of the film it's just it's just like a rockin party every time one of the songs come on and they don't care yeah. about the colors anymore and it's just like okay like and it if it works it just mm. is visually really striking like even mm. with uh and especially with scars number like the shadows and the light mm. choice the color choices of in that musical number are just insanely well thought out and done it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, like completely unrealistic, but ridiculous. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's like 
in pretty much any Disney movie, well, in a lot of Disney movies, the musical numbers basically exist in their own reality. Because, I mean, when you get down to it, how did Simba get all those animals to cooperate? We don't know. Because but... he was the prince. Yeah. But, okay, yeah. fair enough. That That's is cute. the power of the Lion King. <laughs> it's the power of Elton John. <laughs> I unironically adore that song. Mm. I will listen to that song context removed that's like my favorite lion king song <laughs> mr bean is what makes that song good it's yeah. rowan atkins yeah, i know it's funny that you call him that oh. yeah what that's who i he? should have got on lion king quiz just saying yeah i uh, you'd be a giant suck up prick oh that reminds me um there are i it was hard this is just one example but it's something to do with the the briskness of the pacing of this film mm. i love it yeah. it just quickly moves from thing to thing and a good and also is really good at showing not telling even with uh mufasa founding exposition i think a, my favorite example was i was watching the part where he goes simba comes to nala and is like hey we should go to the the elephant graveyard and then they their mom's like so where are you going and they're like oh the watering hole and they're like okay yeah you can go but if zazu comes and it goes oh not zazu and i was like if this was any other film that scene would have kept on going and they would have mm-hmm. been they would have explained why zazu sucks I'm like oh i hate zazu he's so annoying does he have to come yes him but he has to come but oh, i hate him but in this one just hard cuts to zazu and them going and him being like, the sooner we get to the watering hole, the sooner we can leave. And so you immediately know why mm-hmm. he doesn't like Zazu, right? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have to tell you, and he doesn't have to start yelling about how much he hates Zazu. It, it does real well, like, showing you these character interactions that feel like they've been established for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you understand Simba and Zazu's relationship and how they interact with Mufasa after the pouncing scene – and you know, further through the just can't wait to be king scene, and it doesn't have to tell you anything. You understand that they kind of just tolerate Zazu. Mm. Yeah, it's like, and especially with that scene, it's you know a perfect example of you know, in late out early when you're writing scenes, it's right. like the idea of you don't want to take too long starting your scene, and you don't want to let it last too long. You just kind of want to get to the action, and then once it's resolved, move on, which is basically what that is doing. And just as a side note, because I watched both versions, that is the problem with the added scene they animated in, like... Is this another one that they added stuff to? Yeah, they added one scene, and it totally messes up the flow, because Zazu comes and sings this whole morning report in between you know Simba and Mufasa talking and then him saying hey there's hyenas in the what pride lands or whatever yeah so yeah. much better in the original to just have you know we've had this conversation between father and son and then hey kingly duties we need to interrupt and not have the kingly duties be I'm going to sing a song that is random and you know kind of break the flow of the film mm. for three minutes. yeah I know yeah. that that song is in the Broadway musical. I can't remember whether it was written for the Broadway musical and then it was, was later included. Okay, because... That's correct. Yeah, because I was thinking the other option being it was a cut song that was no, removed. But... It was written for the Broadway, which Broadway is a different pace than a movie. Yeah. Well, which Broadway's is... usually like three or four hours long. Yeah. You see right. Yeah. Broadway, part of the point is the music and the songs. So exactly. that's, that's really interesting that they add it back in. Because a big problem I found with not Disney stuff of this era, like Don Bluth stuff, is the songs they put in are just like 
pointless. There's a lot of older from the plot. Right, and a lot of newer Disney that has songs, I feel sometimes they just stick them in there for the sake of a song. Needs to, you know, we've gone this long without a song, we got to do one. Um, and this, I think, one of the reasons why this batch of Disney is so good is none of the songs really feel out of place, and they don't mess with the pacing. Mm-hmm. They all, they all, they all both fit, and they are also in service of either character development or character establishment. Like I just can't wait to be King is literally there to show Simba's pride, so he mm. can eh, pun not intended, so that he can suffer from hubris of his father dying and and reconcile with that. Right, mm-hmm. like that's that's literally the point of the song, yeah. and so. Yeah. yeah, and also what I was kind of thinking is like since uh, since you know you mentioned modern Disney, I do agree with that, and also I kind of think that's why the uh, "Let It Go" piece from Frozen caught on so much with people was that it was doing what these songs are doing. It's in yeah. service of the plot and the character. Like, and you remember that Frozen has a whole song about scooping ice at the beginning. Like, no one freaking remembers that because it's pointless and stupid. Mm. Well. <sighs> Yeah, like I mean, and like uh, yeah. Do you want to build a snowman? Is another song that, while catchy in that film, doesn't fit because the idea of she's locked up and antisocial is established very quickly. It doesn't bolster her character. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can get into that into that argument. I mean, I'm yeah. Debate. Okay. When we get to that movie. <laughs> um, I have two more positives, unless okay. someone else wants to cut in before because I'm doing most of the talking. <laughs> I kind of get the feeling you're going to do most of the talking for both of these movies. Mm-hmm. But, Same. Yeah. Um, we... <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'll try to do some talking too. Um, <laughs> let's see. Scar, then that can be one of my two. What? The things I like if you say Scar. Yeah. Because that's the things I love. Well, honestly, what I was going to say is that just I like, I love the characters. Like, all of them. Even, I don't know. Well, I guess the only one... <laughs> I guess the only ones that kind of stick out as not really having that big of an impact are Sarabi and then um, Nala's mom, who literally has just the one scene. Like, Derek, th- you're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. That's how <laughs> I good. don't even know who Sarabi is. That's oh, how yes. good Simba's mom, yeah. No, but that's how good this movie is. I have to do some scraping. But, yeah, I mean, I freaking love Jeremy Irons. I mean, even in his bad movies, he's entertaining. And James Earl Jones is fantastic. Is fantastic. So you've already got, honestly, I would say those two fantastic casting choices make up for the two not so fantastic casting choices for Simba's voices. Yeah. Um, I really like. I really like Nala's uh, young voice. It has a lot of personality. I kind of wish that they could have taken that forward in her adult voice a little bit more. Um, yeah, well, it's that weird problem where she was African-American when she was younger, her VO, mm-hmm. and then she wasn't when she was an adult. And you can kind of tell because she has a certain lingo. Yeah. I'm, I'm not – That's. do I have to say I'm not being racist if I say that? Or is that – No. You can just cut it out. But there's definitely – there is a there is a accent slash lingo change that is noticeable from yeah. young spunky Nala to older kind of boring or Nala. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess you could play it off as she's kind of been living in a fascist dictatorship, so that may have affected her personality, but I don't know. I think, I kind of feel like they could have had her character be more consistent throughout, but that mm-hmm. that being said, she's not a bad character. It's just that there's a very, I, there's a way that I feel that it could have been improved on, um, but yeah, I mean... Yeah. So is Scar a better villain 
in the villain ranking, <laughs> like I like Jafar. Yeah. I like Scar more. Yeah. I don't really do you like him more than Gaston. I don't. Scar is the most effective Disney villain. He wins you know, for the longest. Yeah. He feels like he's depth. I think that's why I like him. Is you can yeah. sympathize with him because he does get shafted and he does like to be evil kind of for evil's sake, but he's smart and schemy and like he knows he's weak physically, he even admits it like up front, and so he he tries to be excellent at other facets of his life to make up for it. He's like a likable he's completely likable, but he also just loves being evil. Which yeah. is also like it was like the Emperor in freaking you know the star wars prequels who's like the only fun part about those movies because mm. he's just evil and he loves it and it's a hoot <laughs> yeah i think i think the thing with scar is that you know for me at least he kind of activates my the what if center of my brain because he is such you know he is opposed to his brother in his intelligence is greater while his strength is weaker and i kind of the what if part of my brain is like you know what would have been really neat if he just hadn't have been so selfish and, you know, wanted power. Those two would have worked together really well if they'd cooperated. They could have, you know, they could have both done good for their for their kingdom. It's like by working together. And so it's like, yeah, it's just like there's so many possibilities of what could have been different. And I think that's the hallmark of any good character is if there's enough depth and there's enough hinted at where you can where the audience can consider the different possibilities of what could have been and yet at the same time what does happen is ultimately inevitable because of their flaw in his case his desire for power right we're looking forward to reading your fan fiction later <laughs> his desire for power that he doesn't really do anything with like he's kind of a terrible king yeah i guess and, and he's the worst to... king well, it's hard to tell if that's his fault or like, like did he cause the drought? Like, come on. No, was but he, he just, overhunted. Was he just like in the wrong place? Well, okay, maybe. He also let all the hyenas in, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's a problem. Yeah, there's a big argument that this movie is about like racial discrimination, but mm. I don't see it. But some people do. <laughs> there that's are disappointing. <laughs> mm, there are other movies by Disney where that conversation can happen. I don't think oh, yeah, it needs to Oh, yeah, we might even talk about it today. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it needs to happen with The Lion King, but, I mean, honestly, you can interpret anything to mean anything, and anyone, and if there are people that say that, you know, I, I mean, I don't agree with that, but I will say that I can see that, I can see the evidence of what they are using to make their argument, and I can't flat out say, no, you're 100% wrong. I just don't ascribe to that interpretation. Getting back on track. Yes. <laughs> now that I derailed it. Hmm. I guess my last thing I wanted to mention was I like that this story is uh, kind of dark. Yeah. It's not a very Disney story. It's well, a it's it's a story about where a man's father is – a kid's father is murdered and, like, his family is, you know, kind of – enslaved by this tyrantial king who is then also murdered yeah. like and it's well, just it kind of that there's an orphan it's just unusual that it's murder on screen well it's yeah i mean it's that's kind of the thing is that like having bambi's a, mom got yeah. shot and that was in yeah. the 40s right well yeah but i mean having a dead parent 
I mean, it's a Disney trope. One of the parents is dead, or both of the parents are dead. But the difference here is that beside this one and a movie that's upcoming, we actually have the killer is one... Well, one, it's a killer. Two, they are they are one of the cast members. They are one of the characters in the story. And the whole... The death... It's like the death is, you know, a bigger part of the story as opposed to being the backstory. Like, for example, Cinderella. Her mom died, her dad died, and all that mattered about was the setup of how is she in this position. The story wasn't about what happened to my father. Did my stepmother poison him or something? Which is my interpretation. <laughs> of course it is. What yes. is this fan fiction? Also, Mufasa's death is still tragic and really, really sad. Just yeah. for the record. It's, it's like still difficult. emotionally traumatizing. Mm. And Scar is so evil. It, I love it. Yeah. I love you, Scar. You're so good. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I still enjoy my that meme that I saw, which was somebody just took the screenshots and they show Mufasa hanging there, and he's like, "Brother, save me!" And Scar reaches down, and is like, "Long live the king!" And then the last panel is the is the image of them arriving in the ravine, standing side by side. Mufasa's caption is just like, "I could have died." I, I like to imagine that's what actually happened. <laughs> Anyone have a story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but still. I mean, get, that, this, get this Tumblr fanfiction crap out of my podcast. <laughs> I mean, well, that's the thing. The fact that people make that kind of fan art and that there's people that would that say they'd rather that have happened shows how good the character writing is because we don't want Mufasa to die. It's I'd like, say that was correct, but people write stuff about like the recent seasons of Sherlock and Doctor Who, so I think the collective unconsciousness taste is questionable. Okay, that's enough salt out of you, sir. <laughs> hmm. Yes, the, the meat. People is love the Twilight season. movies. <laughs> well, nonetheless, the point is the point that I was making <laughs> is that I mean Mufasa is not in the movie for all that long, and yet his presence is still felt throughout and afterwards. It's like okay. I have one more thing to say. I lied. Okay. Okay, so only Derek will know what I'm talking about and our three listeners. Um, <laughs> so there's generous. this amazing movie. It's anime, so it's weeb trash, but it's called the Bo- – we watched this, Derek. The Boy, uh, the Boy and the Beast. Yes. It's about fatherhood. It's an amazing movie, but like when Simba looks at his reflection – and like sees his father and it's like the notion that like your father still lives inside of you like and like you need to recognize that that he's not dead as long as you know he's a part of you like that moment in the movie runs parallel with oh my gosh that might be a spoiler with the themes of boy and the beast and that's like my favorite part about that movie is like the notion of fathers are fathers persist they're just a part of who you are and they they they're like a part of your soul mm-hmm. and like I love that. That I like as much as I'm going to complain in the next part about how Simba's character arc is really lacking. Um, that moment was really smart and like worked off Simba and Mufasa's character and their relationship really well. Yeah, and it, and it Watch also the beast. that was it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and it, and also because I mean the thing is is you need a good reason for why does Simba go back, and that is quite possibly I think the perfect reason for it. Right. Well, I mean, okay. The the I mean the. Can we just start talking about Simba's character arc and then yeah. we'll pretend we're transitioning yeah. into the bad? Because yeah. I do have – so my my main complaint about Simba's character arc is his arc is basically um, he's haughty 
and then he's humbled by the death of his father that he believes is, is his fault. And it kind of a little bit is, even if Scar just straight up killed him because he was stupid enough to believe his uncle. Yeah. Um, and so there was a bit of hubris there. And so he's depressed and, and lonely. And then his friends teach him, hey, you know, Akuna Matata, like, don't worry about it. Move on. And then he does that too much because he, he can't deal with the pain of his father. He just completely blots it out from his life. And you see that when he, like... They bring up the stars in the sky or whatever, and he has a moment where he, where he kind of regresses and starts remembering mm-hmm. things he doesn't want to remember anymore. And that's what triggers you know, the monkey coming, so it makes sense, uh, Rafiki. Mm-hmm. Um, but his internal conflict of his belief of, of him being struck down and humbled and him needing to kind of recover from that and, and realize that he has the potential and the responsibility to be who he is is all internal – like that's that is his character arc, and the problem I have with the movie is that he does partially overcome that with when you know when he sees his reflection and sees the image of his father in the sky and, and runs back to accomplish his duty. Um, but then when he's being taunted by Scar at the end, Scar says something on the lines of lines of um, he says, uh, "Oh." don't you remember what you did to your father and he says like i put that behind me or something and that's like the only line that like really marks the end of that and then scar tries to use it as ammo for guilt for the tribe and that works Mm -hmm. and then the actual resolution of his anguish is scar just straight up admitting that he killed him and so it's just an abrupt cutoff that's not personal to simba like the thing is simba should have not cared by the time he came back like because that his he had his moment where he should have been like I am ready to go own up to what I did, and he would go back and, like, admit, yeah, I did – I feel responsible for Mufasa's death. And the thing is, like, he doesn't even say, oh, it was an accident or anything. He just, like, lets Scar guilt him for mm-hmm, no reason yeah. at all, which is, like, not where his character arc should have taken him. And the resolution is really weak with it being entirely hinged on Scar just being like, oh, it's a lie, and then all of it just disappears. Yeah, I think – and also the kind of the fact that his pride – all kind of like turn against him in this short moment where they believe that he was responsible. But what we needed was this was maybe a moment where Simba explains what happens and possibly in that moment realizes kind of has this moment of self-reflection and realizes, wait a minute, this isn't actually my fully my fault. Also, wait a minute, Scar, you're the one that told me to wait there. Well, Simba's, Kind of a very passive, kind of very. Mm. I felt like Simba was pretty passive as a protagonist. People are kind of telling him what to do the whole time. Mm. And I I would have liked to see him take some ownership sooner and stronger Mm. uh, in multiple parts of this film. Because I felt like he just kind of, oh, you guys are doing this? I'm going to go do that with you. Oh, you think I should do this? Well, let me think about it. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. That's true. I didn't actually think about that, that he pretty much is told what to do throughout the entirety of the film, Which and is, then he just kind of does it. And he does have his own internal conflict he goes over, but he's always guided there by someone else, not by his own, like, belief of or right. self-betterment. Right? I really mm. wish that he had chosen to go back and – like he, that he did, I, I think the scene is very powerful when he sees Mufasa and decides that he's going to go back. I do like that scene. But I was like, get, you know, have some independence here. Be an active protagonist. And he just kind of is like, oh, well, now I'm going to go. Mm. And, and Nala and Rafiki, you know, are also kind of like pushing him that way. I never felt like he really 
made a decision for himself. Yeah, and that moment could have been when Scar tries to use the pride against him if he had just mm-hmm. owned up to it and like stood up, you know, stood tall and been like, you know, I know I did this and I can never be forgiven, but I am still the king and I'm still responsible and right. like I'm willing to, you know, own this mistake, but I will not let it, you know, destroy me. Right? Like and like that that should have been the moment, not Scar just being like, Well, JK, I did it, and then suddenly the conflict's resolved. Right. But writing an active protagonist is super hard. I'm not saying yeah. it's easy. I'm that's saying that that's my that's one of two issues with this film. So it's called Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> What's your second issue with the film? I'm curious. Hmm. The so I think that uh, Act One is paced perfectly. I felt like Act Two feels like a different movie, and I've always felt that way, even as a kid, where there's like this first movie where you know he's with his family and there's this tragedy and then the second movie it's like Akuna Matata comes out of nowhere and it just the, like I don't know thematically it feels off to me but it just like the pacing all of a sudden like oh we're just going to turn into this like crazy song and all of a sudden everyone's aged up and then we're going to really kind of stalls a bit there like, there's this weird part in the middle and then when Nala comes even then it's like She's here. Are you going to go back? And no, we're going to sing for a while. Great song. But I felt like the pacing after Act One was just not working for me, which is why towards the end, it's just like, all right, I'm, I'm kind of checking out. Like, this character's not doing anything, and I feel like I'm watching, you know, part three of a three act movie or something that was very disjointed. Apparently, Can You Feel the Love Tonight was cut from the original uh, screening, and they put it back in. After Elton John complained about it, which is weird because it won an Academy Award for it being in the movie. But right. yeah, yeah, it does weirdly hinder the pacing. I guess I just wanted Simba to act more. You know, mm. and it's just like, okay, we're getting sidetracked by these two fools, and now we're getting sidetracked by love interest, and we're yeah. going to get back to Rock. But. <laughs> It is kind of nitpicking, but maybe I'm just being a grump. Like, literally, one of my friends were talking about this, and she goes, well, you're just a grump, and you don't <laughs> like anything. And I was like, well, Nathan said the same thing earlier, so mm. my bad. Yeah, I but think... Sorry. That's just how I felt about That's it. That's a valid criticism, though. Yeah. I completely agree. Like, I am not... I love this movie, and you're completely correct that he sucks. And Act 2... I think Act 3 hurts more to me than Act 2, as much as Act 2 stalls out, Act 3 feels like the conflict resolution just happens so quickly that it, like... It, and, it, you know, again, missing that big Simba character moment that's supposed yeah. to happen in the third act, like, it just feels weak. Yeah. At I, least Act 2 is fun, and it, like, fits where the story's going, which is him concealing his guilt through self-exile. Yeah. Hmm. But you don't get the moment of him being... You get a slight moment of him being really depressed for Kuna Matata, but I kind of always felt he should be, like, stewing in it a little more before he mm-hmm. comes to this, like, life choice of I'm going to bury all my pain and just pretend it doesn't exist because I'm being selfish again. Yeah, I think um, I oh, think good. part of the... Uh, part of the problem is that the setup that we get for Simba is he wants to be king, but at the same time we realize he's not going to be a good king. And then the res- the resolution is he is a good king, but we don't have anything in the middle there. We don't have him learning anything that would make him a good king. Matai, I think <sighs> if I had just... had more nostalgia for this film, I would be less inclined to be bothered by it, if that makes sense. Like, not... I think I saw it maybe once as a kid, 
Seriously? Wow. Yeah, like I watched it like one time. I said that's good because me and Derek are blinded by nostalgia. Because oh. Oh. I oh yeah, I, I watched like being blinded sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. But um, I think that that too. Like I remember seeing it as a kid and being really traumatized by Mufasa's death, and I don't think I ever watched it again. Hmm. So this is like the first time. Well, not the first time, but like the second time I've really sat down and watched it. So, hmm. anyway. But I'm really glad you guys liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't Okay, I guess another... This is a positive. I know we're negative. But, like, the, I think we kind of discussed this. But I was just thinking about... Because this is something when I was watching. Like, the technical aspect of this movie. Like, I think this is Disney's best-looking film. Like, mm. honestly. Like, Beauty and the Beast has some good moments. But it's still confined to a smaller area. Like, those, I'm partial to sweeping vistas. I will openly admit it. Mm-hmm. But, like, it has a good mix of a desert... The savanna, the jungle, like the desolation, which honestly doesn't look as interesting as the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, just I just think this film looks again mentioning the coloring of just be prepared and the um, just can't wait to be king is just so well done. The film just mm-hmm. technically is just like a marvel to me. Um, which is interesting a- because the good animators were working on Pocahontas because they thought that one was going to be the bigger hit. Yeah. Jokes on them. (laughs) (laughs) The bad movie that no one talks about anymore. Yeah, there's one thing that I wanted to point out because it's come up a couple times during this. And so a lot of times people will say that um, this is Hamlet with lions. You know, it's um, and there's also, you know, the sequels, which is one Romeo and Juliet. And then there's these. Well, not really a Shakespearean sequel, but related to Shakespeare, where the Lion King one and a half is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's a there's a YouTube yeah well it's he's on YouTube yeah so there's a YouTube show that I like to watch. It's called Brows Held High. It's basically a reviews art art movies or art films, and he actually did a review of the Lion King, and his main thesis was that. It's not an adaptation of Hamlet, rather it's an adaptation of the Henry the Fourth movies. And then he kind of goes into it saying kind of like, okay, yes, you know, his uncle kills his father, and that's the similarity with Hamlet, but then you've also got nowhere in Hamlet do you have Hamlet hanging out with, you know, avoiding becoming a king and hanging out with fools when you've got the character of Falstaff in the Henry IV plays, because there were multiple plays about him. And, you know, that's basically the whole point, is that the character of Hal is... I I really hope I remember that name correctly, but yeah, the character of Hal is um, basically... He's a prince. He isn't... You know, he is not on the course to become a good king. He likes to hang out with, basically, you know, just vagabonds and losers and... The one, the see, the topmost of those is the character Falstaff, and then later on he realizes his destiny and becomes king. And so it's kind of that's a very brief summary of a lot of content, but that was kind of the main point that the uh, show, the Browse Held High show, brought up was that. Yeah, sorry, I'm not shing you. I'm starting to say a sh word. Keep finishing. Finish. Sorry. <laughs> Shut up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey. <laughs> no, but yeah, anyway, so my my idea is that I kind of think that – I still think that there, that Hamlet is a fair comparison, but I kind of feel that maybe the two – it's a combination of the two. Here's, it, here's the thing. 
like the story of a usurping uh, authority figure um, and a ostracized prince in disguise returning and you know taking over is not uncommon. Like yeah, in Greek, like that's Oedipus with a different ending, but technically it would be true because how lions mate is he would marry his mother, but. Um, <laughs> That's how they work with the pride. Also, when lions take over the pride, they kill all the cubs. So Nala should be dead. But anyway. Um, no, just the male cubs, right? They no, they kill, kill all of them. Cubs. They kill oh, all yeah. of them because they're not their genetic. Mm. They don't. They kill anything that doesn't share genes with them. Oh, but anyway, yep. moving on. Um, the point being is like, isn't, there are elements of Hamlet, and I think there are elements of Henry IV. But there's elements of lots of folklore, too, that fall. Mm-hmm. And even like Oedipus and like it's it's not an uncommon story i think people draw the hamlet comparison because it's very shakespearean and has a lot of very obvious beats from hamlet you know the uncle thing um they have openly said that him talking to mufasa was meant to be a uh, the ghost of mufasa is meant to be a to be or not to be moment like Mm. uh and he does hamlet does self-exile with rosencrantz and guild oh my gosh i can't say their names the his friends (laughs) in him it's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern? Is that right? Uh-huh. I don't think it's them. I haven't... It's been a while, but I think they're more like... Mess, they were basically spies for him. Because like they don't appear in the movie that much. I think he has other friends, but I can't remember their names. I thought those are the ones he went to college with, and then he ends up getting them killed, and he comes back and does to be or not to be in the graveyard. Anyway, whatever. Uh, and, I mean, Oph- <laughs> I mean, Nala doesn't drown herself, so she's not Ophelia. So you got that going for it. Yeah. Yay! Um, <laughs> more people survive the Lion King than do Hamlet. There is that. Uh, yeah, that's another important thing. Is at the end, he, his his desire for revenge overshadows his sanity, and he ends up dying. Mm. But anyway, yeah, you're, you're right in that Hamlet is an easy comparison, but not necessarily the correct one. But I do feel like the tone of the movie is Shakespearean in that oh, it yeah. draws on myths and classical literature. And then that's why it's kind of a more darker adult film. And I think that's why people are drawn towards the Hamlet comparison. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it's definitely one of those, because, I mean, we like to throw out the it's Shakespearean. But, to be fair, yeah, I mean, a lot of the uh, a lot of the elements and tone of this movie are things that you can find in Shakespeare plays. So, it's a fair comparison. We went way too long on this movie. We <laughs> oh, yes, we did. Do we want to get right. into the Kimba the White Lion stuff? No. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's not... I, I've seen Kimba the White Lion. It is not really plagiarizing it. Like, they, yeah. they are not similar enough to merit that. Like, yeah. and even if they did, it's like, if you make a movie with a lion standing on a rock, like, it doesn't mean you plagiarize the entire movie. It means someone saw Kimba and thought that was a cool scene, and so they stole that. Yeah. They steal all the time. Yeah, I have yeah. heard repo- I have heard reports that they'd been working on a um, adaptation of Kimba the White Lion, and but that that became the Lion King. But whether that's factual, I don't know. I read it on the internet, so I think it's it still different. That mm-hmm. It's like it's creatively different yeah. enough that you can't really. Who cares? Yeah, well, it's kind of funny. Love, you're like, oh, Disney doesn't have any original ideas because they ripped off somebody else. And it's like, welcome to the world. You know, they ripped <laughs> yeah. off Hans Christian Andersen's short story. Did you miss that? They missed off ancient fairy tales. Like, yeah. whoop de doo. Who cares? Originality is taking two things and putting them together in a way that they haven't yet. Yeah, exactly. So Henry the Hamlet, Campbell the Lion, and Henry the Fourth all smashed together with with Elton John, and you have the King. (laughs) It's a surprisingly good combination. All right, so uh, 
I'm sorry, James. I feel like you didn't talk much this. Do you have any final things oh. to say to last opinions, or do you want to just do them in your final opinions? Oh, no. I think I, I like hearing your guys' opinion because it raised my opinion in this movie, <laughs> which is nice. Like, oh, this is this is fun listening to how much <laughs> other people love about this film, which will be less fun listening to how much people hate other films. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> That's what happened uh, last week with me and Aladdin. Like, I would give this one, well... I don't know. Are we allowed to give halves? I think I'd give it a 3.5, but I'm going to have to round it up to a 4, I guess. Mm. All right. Four. four. We're not doing any halves, right? No halvesies. Okay. No. So I'm going to give it a 4. I think that two, act 2 and 3 could have been better. I do feel like Simba could have been a little more active, but the songs and the animation, it's really fun. And if somebody likes animals, they're going to love this thing. So, Yay. Animals. I know. Uh, that was cool. <laughs> Derek, your score. Yeah. Yeah, final thoughts. Um, it's yeah, it's a Disney classic, and it gave me. This movie has enough goodwill for me that I actually kind of enjoy the sequels. That is really impressive. Yes, yes, it like is. Aladdin films where the second sequel isn't that terrible. Yeah, so. yeah, and it's and it's bad, but it's not terrible. <laughs> yeah, and and like the thing about the thing about this movie is that. I really like this movie. It's not my favorite movie, but there is nothing in this movie that would cause me to give it anything other than a five. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to turn. <laughs> yeah, you are the generous one. Um, I don't want to turn into a raving fanboy, um, but I I think I love this movie. Um, Do it. Turn into a raging fanboy. I, I could totally give it a five, just for the record. But it just looks so good and the voice talent and the script the the voice acting is excellent and aside from the rather i just wish they'd done with symbol what they did with aladdin and give him a little more character depth because then i think this would be literally disney's best film by like a huge shot because it is technically their best film i all the music i think is their some of the best they've ever done like every film, every song in this film feels like Under the Sea in The Little Mermaid, which was one song, right? Every mm-hmm. song in this just seems so good. Um, mm. Yeah, I, it's a real downer to me that Act 2 and 3 slog, and it's all Simba's fault. But it's voiced by Matthew Broderick, who just sucks. So that makes perfect sense. But I'm still, I don't think it's enough to drop it from five because I would watch this movie again in a heartbeat. Mm. Yeah. So, and I don't know if I could say that for all the movies on our list so far. Actually, I can't because I hate Oliver and Company, and I really hate The Little Mermaid. But anyway, <laughs> um, so here, here we can all fight ranking. So currently, we have Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Great Moose Detective, and the rest. I'm just gonna say Rescue's Down Under because I don't think it's gonna go any lower than that. Um, yeah, no. Where in the pantheon does this fall? Oh, jeez. Okay, since I'll be the worst, I'll go first. I want it under Great Mouse Detective because I like Great Mouse Detective better, but. You guys can put it higher because I know you will. Hmm. My personal list, I put it as two. I like a Baron Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. but but that's fair. I will admit that it has a lot of flaws, um, and I don't know. I think the safe spot is between Beauty and the Beast and the Great Mouse Detective. With like it being a pseudo tie with great, I, I can't even. You know, the weird thing is I can't even say if it's a tie with the Great Mouse Detective because of how technically wonderful this movie. is. That's the problem with Great Mouse Detective is not technically beautiful at all, right? But, but it has a lot everything of great else was on like 
perfect firing, you know? Yeah, it's 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 what makes that's what makes this movie so disappointing to me is it got so close to being like the best thing they've ever done. Yeah, this I'm totally gonna say this with Hunchback too. I know it's gonna happen, but <laughs> yeah, I, I that's it, for the for the sake of the group, I'd put it as three. But my personal ranking, I'd probably put Aladdin then this one. Then Lanky, yeah. How about you, yeah, Derek? What, um, yeah, I've been kind of sitting here thinking whether whether it deserves to be in number one. Because I kind of get the feeling that we'll be lynched if we don't put it at number one, but I also get the feeling... You're not going to be lynched. Yeah. The beast not as number one, so people are going to punch us, and yeah. the little mermaid is below rescuers down under. That's what people yeah. are going to kill us for. That's yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, well since we're already dead... Um, let's see, remind me. So it was Aladdin, and the number two was... And then Great Mouse Detective. Jeez. Oh, this, is, this is getting very difficult. I know. This is where I get this podcast is going to get fun. I've been waiting for the moment when these start getting hard. Yeah. So here's the question, Derek. Is it a better movie than Great Mouse Detective? Yes. I like Grace Mount, Great Mouse Detective a lot, but Lion King has been rewatched far more times than The Great Mouse Detective. Okay, okay Derek. One word answer. Be- what? Is it better than Beauty and the Beast? Yes or no? One word answer. Yes or no. Ah, oh, jeez. Yes, but at the same time, okay, no, I really no, no, like Beauty and the Beast. No, well, okay. better Aladdin. One word answer. Better than Aladdin. No. Well, dang it, it's not an easy answer. Yeah, <laughs> I put it at number two. No, no, <laughs> I'm. No. Is, is James going to lynch us if we put it at number two? No. Uh, well, okay. Now here's the thing. I'm not putting it. One. I'm not putting it at number two. I'm putting it number three because okay. I still. I still really like Beauty and the Beast, and it's just, I mean, keep in mind, we are talking about microscopic margins here. Right. I have a lot of fondness for Beauty and the Beast, and the thing with Beauty and the Beast that's kind of giving it the edge is I like movies with people in them. I love animals, but I like movies with people in them just a little bit more. And species is what you're admitting to this. I admit to no such thing. And the I, truth is that I will be paying Derek after this podcast to yeah, keep beating the beast above it. Derek, don't tell them anything. Okay, it's going to get bumped down because we're all going to have a big fight over Hunchback. I know it because yeah. I don't have very fond memories of that movie. Okay. I'm willing to give it another shot. but yeah. and, also, and also for Beauty and the Beast, one thing in its favor is while the music in uh, Lion King is fantastic – I really like the style of the background music in Beauty and the Beast. It's just a kind of a style preference that I have there. And so, yeah, I'm saying third place after Beauty and the Beast. Are you I'm good st- with that, Nathan, or do you want to fight for it higher? I, I I can live with that. But I will say I think the opening to The Lion King is better than the entire Beauty and the Beast movie. So eat it. Mm-hmm. I'd say the first thrown down. Well, as first act, The first act of Lion King is better than everything else on our list except maybe Aladdin. And that's even close because Robin Williams does get tired for me. <laughs> yeah. Comic relief really reeled in in this movie compared to Aladdin, oddly enough, yeah. even though it did have farts. <laughs> yeah, it's – well, as we have – as as Up showed us, the first couple minutes of a movie can be a lot better than many other movies and then be dragged down by the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's that's completely fair. That it describes Up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King – Oh man, I I kind of want to be in the beast, but I'm gonna I'm gonna let it happen. Once this is locked, I'm not letting this change. Why don't um, you fight it? It's fine. 
This podcast has gone on long enough. That's true. Um, I do need to sleep at some point. The Great Detective, The Rescuers Down Under, Little Mermaid, Oliver and Company. Okay. Mm. The second movie, I can't believe we're doing another one. That was so long. Um, (laughs) Keep this one short. Okay, 1995, Disney decided to look at history and colonialism and pretend that everything about it was awesome and great. Oh, no. And basically uh, whitewash and remove an indigenous species and pretend that like they existed in peace with a bunch of people that showed up and gave them smallpox and were just slime balls, and uh, basically genocided them. But it's okay because they spoke with their heart. Oh, no, she listens with her heart, and that breaks all language barriers. Also, F Pocahontas. That's... Uh... <laughs> Species? I <laughs> you said species. Oh, species? Yeah. Or species? Oh, now I'm the racist. <laughs> think yeah. about Lion King. Because um, I don't want to think about Pocahontas. Wait, no. I'm correct because the raccoon and the dog made peace. That's what I was hoping you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was talking about. When the, when the pugs came over and eradicated the mighty raccoon race. <laughs> All right. Do we want to quickly talk about things we liked? Because that um, should be short. Okay. We have to do, okay, let's do the... Well, we have to do the brief... Intro oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. First. Mine are pretty clear. I'm just going to be really fast and go first. Um, okay. I watched this movie once. This is the second time I've ever seen it. The first time I watched it, I think I fell asleep. The second time I watched it, I almost fell asleep, but I was so mad at the movie, it kept me awake. So thank you, Pocahontas, for that. Um, I think this movie has some really great visuals, which I was surprised with. I hate Mel Gibson. I hate this movie. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. All right. My thoughts. Synced and to the point. Yeah. Also, the new CG looks terrible. Jason. I am or Derek. Or we're uh, trying wait, to say is James. Or is that Derek? Not that. We don't know a Jason. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Let me. I want to go. Um. I want to go. All right, Jason. Okay. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, but yeah. So Pocahontas, interestingly enough was the first, as far as my memory serves me, Disney movie that I ever saw in a uh, in a movie theater. Interesting. What? Yeah. Um, we were on... Oh, geez. I can't even remember where we were. We weren't... We were visiting family. We were in Hollywood. It was a really nice theater. It was, like, stinking gigantic. I think there was... I, I may be remembering this wrong, but I think there was, like, a kind of, like, pre-show before that. Where it was just they had actual people on stage in front of the screen. Pretty certain huh. it was Aladdin. They had like a flying carpet. I may just be remembering my fantasies, but nonetheless, we watched wasn't Aladdin. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, okay. It's yeah. So it is. Jeez, oh, this is a difficult movie to talk about. Um, I don't but, hate it. It's was not- it different than when you what you remembered? That's what I'm curious about. Hmm. No, I have pretty good I'm, – I'm going to confess I watched this movie a lot as well. I watched <laughs> a lot of Disney movies. This well, I mean, one Pocahontas is fine as fuck, so that makes sense. But um, uh, oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, But nonetheless, it's – I remember liking it more as a kid. As an adult, it's very hard to – it's very hard not to think about – the history of whatever actually happened. Um, yeah. I I know Mel Gibson, not a great guy. I thought he did fine in this movie. I thought all the actors do fine. Baby Batman. Had yeah, the, Chris Hales in it. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, he had, he had his origin story of why he never wants to use a gun later in the movie. <laughs> um, 
Honestly, what is with you in fan fiction tonight, Derek? Batman. It's Batman. That's what it is. Yeah, but I think your time's up. Finish okay. up. Yes. Turn. One last, one last thing I wanted to say. <laughs> this movie has some interesting concepts that probably should have been examined outside of the uh, of the setting of actual history. Yeah. Because, you know, Nausicaa is the same movie, but a million times better. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. Sorry, I'm long-winded. Go ahead, James. Okay, so like Nathan, this is the second time I've ever watched this movie. I watched it once in high school when I was on a let's watch every single Disney movie, and I barely remembered anything about it. I did sing Colors of the Wind in fourth grade for a choir. So that's like my extent of this movie before going in again. Um. I was just kind of bored the whole time. I knew it. I told this movie was boring. Anyway, I, don't, I, keep I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be getting out of this film. It it was very pretty, and there were nice songs. And I mean, that the climax is her literally running <laughs> to yeah, jump on I, him. That's it. I don't, I don't know what the plot was even. Was it supposed to be a romance? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Hey, we'll talk about that later. It was the it was the history of Pocahontas as told by the real life John Smith because he was kind of an, an he had that, seemed to be not an aggrandizing kind of. liar. Yeah, okay, well, just, there's no kind of there. I he, just he I have was, a lot of I was issues being, with this movie. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know where to begin on them, but okay, mm. good stuff. This should be short. Oh, yeah, gosh. just just yeah. keep it keep it going. Good stuff. <laughs> Um, it looks good. Colors of the Wind, the musical number, as much as I kind of think the song is kind of stupid. Um, I love that song. It's like super poopsie whoopsie. Look at how happy the natives are in tune with nature. I guess a little bit. This is Fetish positive stuff. <laughs> yeah, but the fil- the the move the the part where she like turns to pastel is like really like oh, a yeah. signature of the film. It I looks remember great. that being the trailer. On like all of yeah. the old VHS tapes, and that's mm. why it's the best segment in the entire film. Yeah, I like that. Who's the bad guy? Radcliffe uh, or something? Radcliffe, right? I do like when they go when they're like, he's like, go find John Smith, and they're like, what? What do we? What if we run into an Indian? And he's like, that's what guns are for. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that I'm like, yeah. like a sick way, <laughs> and that's only because it's kind of comedic. Also, he has a little gay friend. I like that. He has a little gay fanboy. Yeah. That was cute. Yeah. I yeah, I think possibly I may be the most um, kind to this movie of the three of us. Um, hmm. But still, okay, positives. Yeah, yeah positive. we both said positive, mister. You're kinder to this movie than us. What's yeah. your positive? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Yeah, she jumped cool. off a cliff. It yeah, was really ever- cool. <laughs> they don't have clips like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Lucas is an interesting character. I don't know if they, like... Uh, made what? It. No, but, like, the idea what? of this person that's, like, going against their family and everyone to stop a war, that's an interesting idea. Now, did this movie pay it off? No. But I think it's an interesting idea. Oh. Yeah, it was a... Uh... It was a surprisingly bloodless war and movie, considering how many people got shot in this Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Actually, is this the most people have gotten shot in a Disney movie? There's two people that got shot. One person dies, and it's the weird, her weird Indian, not boyfriend. Yeah. Native American, whatever. Yeah, he wants to be her <laughs> boyfriend. Yeah, I honestly, 
most of the movie, I was like, you know what? You could do significantly worse. Have you seen Gaston? <laughs> this guy seems, I mean, yeah, it's like he's played off as in he is unappealing to her. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, yes, he's, yes, he's kind of like, you know, he's dull, kind of presented as being serious and dull. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't see how that's a bad thing. I mean, he seems. He never actually tries to get to know him. Yeah. So we don't know. Can you describe anything about his character besides the one time you see him and he looks kind of dull? Um, he. Better than Gaston. Yeah. He's hot. I mean, he is hot headed, but at the same time, you kind of feel, you don't feel like he should be demonized for wanting to fight off the English when that's what everyone Mm -hmm. in the tribe wants to do. And so. Also, they have smallpox. Yeah. Probably should freaking kill him. Yeah. And I mean, he cares. I mean, you can tell he cares about, he cares about his people. It's like, maybe they could have played it off as in, he cares about character with the chief no no he cares about his people because he wants to drive the invaders off that you know they could have played it up as oh he only cares about himself and that's why he's unappealing to her but it's like literally he's the best warrior in the tribe and he cares about his people he doesn't nothing we see says that this guy is you know arrogant in any way so he's just boring and pocahontas is a free spirit that's like the only reason why she thinks she can't connect yeah oh wait three people got shot there was three people. How do you even? Okay, I'm like, how okay, do you look, even remember was, that? Like, okay, there was Derek. the one guy. John Smith got shot. Yeah, John Smith got shot. Um, Kokoam, who we've been talking about, by the way, he got shot and killed. But then at the beginning, in the first encounter, one of the one of the, shot um, the leg. yeah got shot in the leg. One of their so- warriors got shot in the leg, and then Kokoam, the also unappealing mate, was carried the wounded man off the battlefield. So. Honestly, I kind of think like, okay, there's my fan fiction for this one, where she realizes, oh, oh okay. hey, he's not so bad. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, sidekicks didn't talk. That's a plus, even though they kind of sucked. They didn't yeah. talk. Yeah, that is a plus. Um, That's the plus for this. Okay, well. yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, talk. Maybe we should move on. <laughs> not yet. I do have one. One more positive. Um. I will say that, like I mentioned before, this movie explores interesting concepts, namely the idea of two radically different cultures coming together and learning, you know, learning how to get along, even though that's not quite what this movie does. And quite frankly, it falls flat on its face trying to do so because we know what happened after this movie. We know what is also the same as this movie, except also better than it. Yeah. I think this movie would have benefited from not being real because yeah. not being real, but not being like a, a fictional or a fictional account of a historical mm-hmm. uh, also, I don't know, event. No way to separate it from reality. Like Lion King, there's nothing that you can compare it to or even Aladdin. Like, okay, it's this pretend story, but like Pocahontas, you know what actually happened. Well, There's no way to make this look good for anybody. Right, and it's not tied to, like, the part of American history that we love to not think about, which is, like, the massive genocide of an indigenous species. Or, I almost said species again, <laughs> indigenous race. Like, I don't want to go really deep into, like, the ills of colonialism or whatever, because that's annoying and boring. But, like, right. like that was a terrible part of history. And, like... Trying to Disneyfy it is just not a good idea. But I think, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. 
20 years ago, I don't think this was as big of a deal, though. I don't know if you guys remember mm-hmm. even vaguely, but I don't remember. 20 years ago, we weren't even teaching it in schools. <laughs> yeah. 20 thing. Yeah. 20 years just, ago, I was living yeah. in Europe, and they would not let me forget about it. Right. Okay, well. It was, in American schools, they, they did, it was not like part of most curriculum until recently. Yeah. Just because I, it's a modern problem doesn't mean it's not a problem. Like, the thing – here's the thing. Uh, there's a real great movie on Netflix. It's called Real Engine, R-E-E-L-I-N-J-U-N. It's a documentary, mm-hmm. and it's about – during this time that Pocahontas was made, it's kind of the, the last movie in this segment. But they were make, Hollywood was making a lot of movies about how – about the Native Americans and how they were like – this is around like when Dance with Wolves came out. Yeah. It was this, like, yeah. Native Americans are were actually this noble, savage race, and – you know, this is a movie about how a white man helps them to defeat worse white men than him. That's what it was like mm-hmm. trying to kind of take this historical element and kind of they thought they were doing Native Americans a favor by giving them like representation in film to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but it was still the lens of white colonialists. And so right. like even if it was a good attempt, it still was like kind of patronizing and insulting. Yeah. And to me like I can tolerate dances with wolves. I think it's okay. Pocahontas to me is like the the literal, and this was like the movie that actually ended the trend. Like it's like the literal representation of like how to do that exactly the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Like trying it and trying to you know whitewash this period of history just doesn't work. Yeah. And I think there are stories that could be told of it. I don't think Disney should be the one to tell them. Mm. But I think I think that's a big problem. And like. That's not even going into the things like making Pocahontas overtly sexual. Yeah, but yeah, mm-hmm. that is a part. That is an upcoming part of the conversation. It's like I don't know. I'm almost feeling like maybe that was their plan all along. They saw all these movies being made, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna put a stop to this by making well, the worst." <laughs> we thought they're making the best movie ever, right? Because yeah. the plan yeah. also it- won an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. And this is this great, sweeping, epic romance yeah. that all the animators wanted to be working on because it was going to be, you know, the next winner of all the awards. Yeah, I guess right. maybe part of the problem is that we, well, we using the collective we of, you what? know, all of us, but sorry, what am I saying? Anyway, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a case of... White person taking a story and making it about themselves. It's kind of like right. what happened with The Last Samurai. And I still like that movie, but the a lot of it's incredibly historically inaccurate. And a lot of the concepts that are brought up in there are kind of pr- frankly ridiculous. But it's this whole idea of white person comes to another culture and the movie is all about their experiencing it, which to a certain in, at a certain point in history... That's kind of how, you know, Westerners were experiencing the world. And it's a very common storytelling trope, but it's like one of those things where maybe nowadays it's not the way we should be telling stories because, to put it simply, it doesn't have to always be about us. Well, and we have globalization now, so the world is more interconnected as like one community than before where it was still like we were still kind of – we didn't have the internet. Like we we're still kind of riding the waves of of colonialism to a certain extent, and so this type of movie made sense. And that's yeah, why, like yeah. you said, like twenty years ago when this movie was made, it was 
you know, obviously fine. To be to actually, a lot of Native Americans didn't like the representation of this movie at the time, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. But <laughs> nowadays, looking back on it as a lens, it's a, an interesting kind of piece of history of that time. Yeah. But it's. I, I think some yeah. of the old Disney movies are going to be like this too. From yeah. The yeah. oldest ones, you're like, completely... well, that was interesting from that point of time, but <laughs> sure doesn't seem to sit well now. Like Dumb. the Crows and Dumbo. Yeah. Right? I was, about, yeah, I was about to say Dumbo. Yeah. And like Song of the South or whatever. Yeah. And Snow White, where it's basically she shows up at the dwarves' house, and what is the thing that she brings to the table? She cooks and she cleans and she. Yeah. So she also dances and sings. Let's not forget those qualities. Come <laughs> on. Yeah, it's um, um, that's a discussion that will happen at the time, and it, yeah, it's it, but yeah, it is that whole kind of like different times, but at the same time, just because it was a different time doesn't mean we can't have a conversation now about you know what it yeah. means to us. And I think even if I swept all that under the rug, which was hard for me to do, and I'll analyze this because it kind of permeates the entire film, like this notion of this noble savage archetype that I just hate. Mm. Um, even if I swept all that under the rug, the movie still isn't very good. Like <laughs> Exactly. That's, yeah. Mm. yeah. Like Pocahontas is so boring. As a character, she has like no character growth. Like she's the same yeah. character at the end that she was at the beginning. But that's no a Disney character film growth. problem. Well, hmm. Yeah, I mean, John Smith maybe, but not really. Yeah, John, but John Smith was like, yeah, he well, he comes to a realization that they're not savages, kind of, and that's it. Kind of, but yeah. he kind of didn't really think they were at the beginning either. Well, like, he sort of he did. kind of side eyes Radcliffe. Mm, I don't then, know. I think he was just. I think it was kind of illusioned by it because he has a line that just makes me cringe, where he's like. Oh, we've been helping savages all over this land, and like right. a helping them in what way exactly <laughs> by murdering them, and like b, and obviously she calls them on the savages thing, which is a little on the nose, but at least like they were kind of aware of that. But yeah. like, it, it makes me feel like he's disillusioned at the white man helping. But the thing is, then he does end up becoming the white man that kind of helps, which I don't really mm. like that either. Like, I do like that Pocahontas wins through pacifism, which is yeah. a big theme of, like, Ghibli films, which is mm-hmm. why Nasuka is my favorite Ghibli film, because she wins mm-hmm. through pacifism and selflessness. But her character didn't it didn't do anything for me at all. Like, well, Yeah, I think with, I mean, making the comparison between this movie and Nausicaa, which is that when you say that, you know, Pocahontas is the same character at the beginning and at the end, um, it's... That's the that's why Nausicaa tells the same story in a better way, because she has a character arc. At the beginning, she has that scene where she sees her father murdered and she gets angry and she kills some of his spoilers. Oh, yeah. This is like fifteen minutes in the film. Yeah, it. Yeah, have it's, you seen Nausicaa? I haven't yet. Mm. Oh, okay. It's, anyway, keep going, Derek. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, she has that moment where she gives into rage and she kills several people. And then later on, her character growth is about, wait a minute, this was awful. How how could I do this? And then she grows as a character and she has a reason for why she doesn't want to, you know, why she wants pacifism, why she wants everyone to stop fighting. Right. And she has a firm belief that that is the way, even though mm-hmm. like they are having giant cultural clashes with all these other nations, she believes that they're, and, and giant pill bugs, like she believes there is a way a resolution that can be found through peace. Yeah. We'll it's, talk about Nazca eventually. Eventually. I, 
I don't want to compare too much to it. Just watch it. It's amazing. Yeah. It's and also it's like this story, I mean it's like it feels like this is the kind of story that fantasy literature was made for where you basically take okay, here are these things in this fantasy world that are meant to represent something in the real world but they're disconnected from the real world so we can examine them. Yeah, what's your three style? And it's like what's and two? And I mean the the concept of, you know, clashing cultures and hatred between different ethnicities and races and all that is something that comes up a lot especially in in modern fantasy I find. Um and so it's like it's a good way to explore it without at the same time having the reaction that we have to Pocahontas which is we know what happened. No amount so- of disnifying it will change what happened. Do you think this would have been a better movie if it had been Avatar before Avatar? I think people would have liked Avatar better if um, Pocahontas hadn't have existed. I think Avatar still sucks, but it would have probably been a better movie if Pocahontas didn't exist. Yeah, it's yeah because I mean, I guess Pocahontas kind of did this thing where it makes it a lot harder to tell that kind of story as an allegory. And not realize exactly what they're doing and be reminded of movies. Because, you know, when Avatar came out, it was like, oh, it's Pocahontas. It's Dances with Wolves. And then people remember those movies and they're like, ugh, we don't like Yeah, this this is another mysticism, Native American spirituality versus the white man's industrialism. And mm. one is clearly evil and one is clearly good. And the and mysticism I'm, is really, really played up in this movie. And it's so out of place considering like, it's like a historical story. The of. Grandma Willow stuff. Oh, yeah. It's so <laughs> bizarre. What is happening? Like, why? Also, yeah. Like, and I understand can, Animal Friends. Animal Friends is a Disney thing. Ever since Abu, you know, you got to have an animal friend. But yeah. the tree that is her grandma, but not—I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. And and she can break the language barrier by listening with her heart, which is just <laughs> ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I I think Derek needs to write a fanfic of this one that is a space Pocahontas. <laughs> I want to write the fanfic of this one where she didn't listen with her heart, and then they just can't communicate, and he just like shoots her. Oh, oh. gosh. Well, I mean, the real version, he'd kidnap her and... Yeah, disney that. I'd rather no, not. Walt. <laughs> I'd really rather not. Which, yeah, I... Mm. CG There's... canoes look bad. That's my only complaint. Yeah. <laughs> there is one thing that... Um, one thing that this rewatch kind of had... Gave me an epiphany where... Because, you know, usually we're like, oh, the villain songs, they're so good. Be prepared. Poor, unfortunate soul and all that. Oh, yeah, this one sucks. <laughs> yeah, this one. Okay, here's the thing. This one I didn't even shows, remember it. It's the one about when they're marching and they're singing about savages. It's uh, a... <laughs> well, no, and also when he tells them to dig is like another crappy not villain kind yeah, of villain song. Sort of. But, I mean, this is the song where it's like, or this is, or the Kill the Beast song. Like, you know, where it's like... It's the moment where they use music, villainous music to rally the people to commit villainous That's the transition to conflict song. That's different from the villain song. Well, okay. But anyway, my point being that those types of songs get very frightening when they involve real-world scenarios. Yeah. Because it's like just, you know, because I mean the beat, the song is very catchy. Disney makes very catchy music. But as an adult listening to those lyrics and I'm like – Good, good gravy. This is, oh wow, this is a, 
This is this is not okay. This is just That's so preachy. It's like yeah. they're different from us, therefore they must be evil. It's like an actual line. Like could you be more blatant? Like yeah. well, it was the nineties though. Everything was like that. Lost here, like yeah. Oh, and then it's like, oh, but the Native Americans are also calling the European savages, so they're both in the wrong. It's like, no, one of them's invading the other one. Yeah. Like they're not in the wrong. They are fully within their rights to kick them off, like, yeah. and and kill them if they don't leave. Like that does not make them evil. Like if you're trying to push a movie about pacifism, there's ways to do it that work better than I don't want to say Nazca again, but that work better than that. Yeah. And, they also had a weird environmentalist message, which Nausicaa also has, by the way, um, that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> like, no, they show putting up all the trees and stuff, and then Pocahontas is like, but they all have a spirit and a name because we believe in animism. And I just want to use that word. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> okay. And, okay. I get it. That's great. You love nature. And then it never is brought up again. Hmm. So what are the themes in this movie? Are they, is it let's all get along? Is it that pacifism will save the day? Is it that nature is should be cherished, preserved? Because you have all these themes and none of them are developed well by a weirdly Asian-looking Native American who is really sexy and it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> You're bringing that up a lot. Well, okay, the literal scene where he, John Smith, sees her is, like, her, like, standing up in mist in, like, a seductive movement, and, like, her being all animalistic and, like, shots of her ass, like, constantly, like, it's just kind of gross, like. Mm, yeah, I it did stand out a lot more this time around, like, the scene where she is, um, where he's hidden behind the waterfall, and she is sort of, like, you know, prowling to get closer and the way they draw her movement of like stretching her legs out and all that and i'm just kind of thinking that uh huh that's a uh, ain't <laughs> that's very deliberate and i haven't seen it to this level in any of the other previous disney movies it's uh that's weird at least jasmine's outfit was like kind of period appropriate like what the heck is she even wearing uh, <laughs> well yes. Yeah, it's... We killed James. <laughs> What's that? Last time, I think we killed you because you're not saying anything. Are you I know, thinking, I'm just like... Are you oh, like a just... big sexy Pocahontas or something? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about this movie. I don't... Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't hate this movie. But well, I don't really... It's not... It's. I'm probably not going to watch it again unless we... Oh, boring, too. <laughs> <laughs> So here's my – can I just say my final thoughts on yeah. this movie? Yeah. It's final. <laughs> Besides all the baggage and everything else, as I sat there watching it, I'm like, so where would I rank this one? So I didn't actively hate it as much as I hated Oliver and Company, but it was pretty darn close. <laughs> like taken between the two of them, I would watch Pocahontas again because I find more redeeming things in there than Oliver and Company. So I'm sorry to rag on Oliver and Company again, guys, but I did. And, yeah, I don't know. How many stars would you give Pocahontas? How many did I give Oliver and Company? One? One. Um, probably just one. <laughs> <laughs> wow, maybe, that's weirder than I was going to give it. May, maybe I'll give it an extra for having... At least it's drawn well, unlike Oliver and Company, I guess. The songs aren't... Well, I mean, it has one good song, unlike Oliver and Company. All right. Two hmm. stars 
Colors of the Wind gave it an extra star. All right. Mm. I could put it below Little Mermaid, but above Oliver and Company. I'd watch Little Mermaid again before this one. For sure. See, yeah. That was my criteria when I was thinking about whether this is going straight to the bottom or not, was what would I rather rewatch? Would I yeah. rather Oliver and Company again or Pocahontas? And the answer was Oliver and Company, actually. Because <laughs> at least Oliver and Company, things happen. And I guess if I wanted to take a nap, I'd watch Pocahontas again. But then why would I watch Pocahontas again? I'd just take a freaking nap. So Exactly. I give it... I also was thinking around two, one to two stars. I don't, I don't really know, but like talking about it just makes me angry. So one star probably, and I would put it at the bottom. I mm. do not like this, but this... I understand that I might be irrationally angry at it. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. You're allowed to be that way. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is where <laughs> this is where my um my ranking for Oliver and Company is coming to bite me in the butt. Did you give it three stars? I gave it three stars. This is making this very difficult because Derek, you I, don't ever have to rate anything below three stars. No one will ever know, <laughs> except the people listening. Hopefully, okay. The three of them that are listening. End of this podcast where you give nothing lower than a seven or whatever. Yeah, it's ah, this is. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard Derek, to say. It's okay. <laughs> give me your final thoughts and and talk it out. So, yeah. what about this movie? Would give it two stars versus one. <laughs> Start there. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is a good question because it's like I'm kind of in this place of the things that I hate about this movie are the thing are the things related to the baggage that the movie comes with mm-hmm. from the get go. The movie itself is mm, do- doesn't do anything to make me actively angry. But then again, neither did Oliver and Company. And it is, again, there is a little bit of nostalgia for the movie clouding my judgment just because this was another one that I watched a lot as a kid and then mm-hmm. stopped watching at some at one point. So when Oliver and Company, I watched that far less as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. And coming back... Mm-hmm. I want to know which one you'd rather rewatch. If I said you have to watch one of these next week... Again, would you rather watch Oliver and Company again or Pocahontas? And you can't sleep during it. That's the yeah, clause. Fair enough. Um, I would if I if if you put a gun to my head and said rewatch Pocahontas, I'm not going to say no. But I feel like put a gun to your head and said rewatch Oliver and Company, you'd let me shoot you. No, that's yes, it. no, no. I feel like <laughs> I'm I would. Just kidding. I feel like I would probably rather rewatch Oliver and Company. Honestly. Dang. Yeah, it's it's. Ah. But the hate flows from you. Because <laughs> it's like, with Oliver and Company, I really, that the opening and everything was really, you know, it caught me off guard with how much I enjoyed the opening to that movie. And I have, you know, it's left relatively a good, like, taste, well, no. It's like, it's left a relatively good impression. All right. Um, That's fair. Pocahontas didn't do enough to... um. To make me say, oh, no, never again, maybe a little bit, but at the same time, there were plenty of moments where I was just like, yeah, this, uh, yeah, this movie. So is Pocahontas going straight to the bottom, Derek? Originally, I wasn't in, I wasn't expecting it to, but yeah, it's going to the bottom. You two are just the same person. How many stars would you give it? Um, I'm giving it two stars. 
Okay. So you have to save that one spot, star spot for Home on the Range. <laughs> I haven't oh, even goodness. watched that one, but that's probably where it's going. I like to. Hey, hey, Disney! Remember when you took all those people off the Lion King for Pocahontas? Well, this podcast, no one listens to you. Just put Pocahontas on the bottom. That's right. What are you gonna do about it, Walter? <laughs> that's right. Nothing. Continue like, not it. care. We will put out another Blu-ray version of both films, and no one will know the difference. Oh, gosh. <laughs> They'll put it as a two-pack, so in order to get the movie you like, you have to buy this crappy Pocahontas movie. <laughs> and, then you open, and then you open the DVD case, and you're like, oh, hey, it's two-pack CDs. And then you will be happier. They make it a four-pack, and it's like Lion King, Lion King 1.5, Lion King 2, and Pocahontas. Yeah, Disney... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, make it a make it a six pack. You open it and suddenly you have abs. <laughs> Everyone's happy. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I'm not right. actually writing down what people say what their star rankings are. That's up to you to figure out uh. or remember. Because we're getting a point where I'm it's going out of short term memory. But well, don't want to just go with the list that we're creating. Isn't that more important than our star rating? Which is what I'm about to read. So currently, okay. our list number one is Aladdin, it has held its position after usurping the Great Mouse Detective. Um, Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, The Great Mouse Detective is number four. Rescuers Down Under, which is above The Little Mermaid, which is. <laughs> I, I, I stand by this, even though I think the whole world's going to hate that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't give a crap. Little Mermaid freaking sucks. <laughs> and I watched I watched a bit of it the other day again just to make sure, and it still sucks. So so bite me. I hate Little Mermaid. Oliver and Company, I apparently hate more than Little Mermaid. But that's only because if I put it above the Little Mermaid, James would have kicked me off the podcast. And then Pocahontas is apparently the worst Disney movie so far made within this 10-year time frame. I'd also like to say congratulations. We made it through 10 years of Disney because mm-hmm. we started in 1985 and now it's 1995. So. Yeah. Just yeah, just wait till we get to the sequels. Then the then the one-star ratings are going to get a little... Um, yeah, it's going to get a little heavy There's on no that end. There's no sequel that's, wor- that's better than Pocahontas, though. Yeah, let me think. Oh, is no. the third Cinderella one good? I haven't watched that one, but the concept interests me, and, hmm, what would... We should not wildly speculate about movies we haven't seen. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah no, I mean, jeez, uh, it's been so long since I watched Lion King 2, but I'm kind of like, you know, I might enjoy that more. I might, yeah, oh. uh, or Oliver and Company, who knows. Um, uh, I was going to say something else. Oh, it's pretty well established and known at this point that the Lion King marks like the end of the Disney golden era or yep. second wave of Disney golden era. Yeah. Means oh. we're getting, we're getting into the spicy stuff now. Yeah. We're um, headed into unknown waters. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, oddly enough. Lion King was that movie count. And I was nine. And the, I, the reason why I didn't watch Pocahontas was that was about the time I started aging out of Disney. So everything from here on out until I kind of became an adult and kind of retroactively started watching Disney again with Emperor's New Groove and Mulan um, is – I don't actually think I've seen Hunchback all the way through. So that's really – What? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw the Gargoyles and I quit. Honestly, I don't think I ever really aged out of Disney movies. I kind of kept watching them. Congratulations, you're a man-child. Anyway, so... 
Um, yeah. Oh, next week. Oh, sorry. You gonna say something? Yeah, there's just you reminded because you reminded me of the fact that you know Lion King is the end of the golden era. Which, um, yeah, that was one thing that remi- that I wanted to mention about this movie. I don't care for the art style. This was the beginning of Disney where they became a lot more experimental with their art styles, which doesn't really work. Didn't work for me every time because I really liked that you know Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Little Mermaid style. Derek, you really liked these three movies, and everything else didn't measure up to them. We get it. They did not. But especially <laughs> with this one, I mean, what do you guys? I mean, what are your guys' opinion on just the art style itself? Of what? Of Pocahontas. Pocahontas, yeah. It's boring. Yeah, there you go. It's a bad line, King. <laughs> I like the way that they did it. the The lines of the characters. I don't know if I like the way they move. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. You don't like, like the sexy Pocahontas feral cat movement? I don't mean that movement, but I mean, like, if I looked at a print of a Pocahontas, like a shot of it, I think it would yeah. look better than in motion. Hmm. Yeah, it's, I, yeah, because they go for a more realistic style, which mm-hmm. I can see why they do that because it's a movie based on history, but it, you know, that ties into the whole problem of the movie. And, and also has a, tree the talk so yeah. i i did surprise myself by liking Stupid the animation the art style <laughs> by liking the art style more this time than i did originally as a kid well i was talking about this movie when freaking we did our closing yes sorry. we did sorry i had one last thing that i wanted to say and now i I'm have gonna... one last thing i want to say watch this movie and then watch mona and realize they're the exact same film even down to the ghost grandma <laughs> anyway moana is a better movie We'll get to that, but and and a villain that is obsessed with looking shiny, which is also the same thing. This is literally the same movie except Moana's good. Anyway, um, that's been this week's episode of Quest for the Best. Colon, I'm got to keep saying it's colon colon Disney is starting to suck. Edition colon, <laughs> please send help. I have to watch Home on the Range in a couple of weeks. Um, oh gosh! If you want to tweet me and tell me how wrong I am that the rescue is down under is better than the Little Mermaid, <laughs> then tweet me at the useless god, <laughs> Derek. My Twitter is at Burning Lizard, and you can contact me there if you want to say things, hopefully nice things. I like to and- think that my generally positive attempt to be positive attitude will endear me to people, but that doesn't always work. Whatever, you get Pocahontas two stars. Unsubscribed. James! You can tweet me about Oliver and Company at at BingeWatchFan. Send him Georgette memes. That's oh. <laughs> Please, send me all the Georgette gifts. Georgette. All of them. He keeps putting Tumblr gifts in our freaking chat. Send him some more so I can get them. <laughs> and want to be dead. Also, send him your results to all of your quizzes so he has to go to Oh My Disney more. Oh, my yeah. Disney's great. What are you talking about? My gosh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's, are we done? That's been it for us this week from me, Nathan, Derek, and James. Thank you. And if you're watching tonight or listening, because you can't watch it because we're not recording the video, then please do your civic duty. If you own a copy of Pocahontas, set it free in the wilderness near your home on a river on a CG boat.
guys heard about Wreck-It Ralph 2? Yeah, I think it, it looks he terrible. He literally goes to visit ohmydisney.com and wanna, sees all the princesses there. I think I might be shot in the head. Why do most movies suck? Good. That's what that people wondering lately. This podcast has made me reconsider all my life choices. <laughs> Opening and ending music by at Ben Sound. Podcast cover art by Nathan Rackley at Drawakir on Twitter.